Welcome to R&R Showtime with Robert and Ryan. And today we'll be discussing the season finale and the, the half season of Book of Boba Fett. I mean, we're going to talk about kind of the season as a whole now that we have the whole finished picture. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, let's waste no time. Let's jump right into it. Uh, Ryan, what was your impression of, let's say, the finale and then the, uh, the, the show as a whole? I think the finale... Uh, delivered what I expected and kind of what I had hoped after the prior two episodes. So we haven't talked about the prior two episodes on this podcast. You and I have talked about them outside of it and how episodes five and six are uh, barely even have Boba Fett. Like he's like a featured, like he he's, he's there only kind of, they're the Mandalorian. It's kind of like an extension of the Mandalorian uh, season two, 2.5 is what a lot of people have referred to it as. One of the episodes was just the Mandalorian, but I had the feeling that it had a reason behind it and that it would pay off to the Boba Fett story in the final episode. And in my opinion, it did. And so, but I know that you were a lot more, uh, critical of those two episodes in the larger Boba Fett narrative. So I'm much more curious to see how this episode landed for you. The season finale was somewhat what I expected. Uh, I, I mean, I think it was a lot of what I expected. Many, there are quite a few things that were foreshadowed. Um, nothing really took me by surprise here. Uh, there are <sighs> things that took me by surprise. There's one thing in particular that I kind of forgot about. Um, the, basically the finale was pretty good. It was, it was all right. It had cool moments. Uh, but this show overall is just like quite simply not very good. I, I believe in my opinion, uh, as a, you know, it's the story is just, I find it to be pretty weak. And th this show is really just carried by characters we like and cool moments. And not even like necessarily the characters we like doing significant things as characters, but just like existing and having already been characters that we liked. Um, and yeah, I'm prepared to to provide uh, my reasoning for that. Yeah. So, I mean, what what grade would you give the the show as a whole, the season of the show? I don't know if it's going to come back for more. I feel like it gave a bit of a tease that it could but I'm sure in the Mandalorian, we're going to see stuff from Boba Fett. However, I don't see why we ever like with the ending of that, why we ever need to see anything of Boba Fett other than him mention him shown in the Mandalorian, basically. Um, but then if, if this show only got one season, then I feel like a lot of the criticisms that you're going to make are made more valid because. Well, let's get into your criticisms. Yeah. Uh, so, so let me say my first thought again, you know, I'm in a really critical mind here and, and maybe I'm hoping that like talking with you will improve this, but I'm, I'm feeling like C plus, honestly, maybe B minus. Like, again, there's just enough cool stuff going on and it, and it's like an okay enough story that, that I, you know, maybe I'll give it a B minus, but like really it's because it's, it's almost something like, um, I think I had the same sentiment for another show or movie, but you have enough ammo here, enough good things to use that it would, it should be very easy to have a, a really good show. And like, instead of having a really good show, 
because you have because you made just a solid story and have good characters that we all like, you made a not very good story and use those characters to make it basically decent and just added cool moments. And and that is what I, I simply believe that this show is a weak story with things that the writers were like, it would be really cool if Boba Fett wrote a Rancor and like fought a bunch of guys. It'd be really cool if Mando showed up and blah, 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 blah. And, and that's how it feels like the whole time where it's like, of course, there is a story that's move, that's kind of happening. But like in the first half of it, it doesn't feel like Boba Fett as our protagonist, right, is moving the story. It kind of feels like things are moving around him other than his his backstory, right, which is which is supposed to be background to the what the current events like what is the present day right that's supposed to be just giving us uh you know uh more information on how he got to where he is but it it feels like for a long time he's being moved by events happening around him not moving the story which is like a telltale thing of like weak protagonists uh and and just in general i I basically said i think in the last one that it, it felt like they weren't making him very badass and by the end, we finally that the thing about this the season finale is that we do finally get some badassery, like some true Boba Fett just absolutely ripping shit up, you know, him and Din Djarin, like just you know, again, that that was such a cool scene that it, you know, carries so much, right? Yeah. That we just got to see them just, you know, surrounded by enemies just tearing them down and stuff. And and also see not to say that they can't be infallible and totally unstoppable, that we see them, you know, being beaten down a little bit not giving up, you know, working together. Like I, there's a lot of cool stuff there, but the, the show overall just crushes on things like that. Like having that awesome scene to literally just have Cad Bane walk up and reveal a secret that he didn't need to tell. At I all. thought that was dumb. I it th- was so like this buildup, right? We, we see what they were building up there. And for the way he finds out for Cad Bane to just tell him is this is so weak. It's just, it's just I, like the writers couldn't find a more creative way to act, to let him find out. I so I feel like the thing is he would not have found out any other way and I agree I thought it was weird in the moment. The caveat the the excuse that I will give is that I think Cad Bane wanted Boba Fett to fire off on him so that he could kill him there. I feel like Cad Bane felt like in that moment like he wanted Boba Fett to just like play his hand too quickly, draw him out. And he had that as a bargaining chip because he knew that Boba Fett did not know about it and that there was no way he would have learned other than by him giving that information. And that he, based on his past with Boba Fett, he thought that it would have triggered him and got him to fight then and there. He even called him weak, like as to try and belittle him. But really he, that was further trying to coax him to, lunge when he knew that he was in a position of weakness at that moment. Yeah. And I, I understand the intent there. However, I also don't even consider that a moment of weakness. Like that's before they've enacted any plans to like take over the other guys when he's like, Oh, I've got backup too, which he's got a couple, you know, snipers out there, but, but Bobo also literally is being backed up by two highly skilled and dangerous and, and like renowned, like Cad Bane should just know who those are on site. Right. So I don't know how Cabane thinks having two like regular guy uh, Pike. I mean, not regular guys, but Pike Syndicate. You know, guys with with laser rifles are are okay enough backup. Even though Cabane's a badass, he is yeah. a total badass. Yeah, I know he can think his skill is better than Boba's. 
But if you think you're, you know, his skills better, even significantly better than Boba's, is it significantly better than all three of those bounty hunters when your only backup is just guys with laser rifles? Yeah, Knowing Ben Shan's an, an expert sniper, and and uh, Din Djarin literally has the same laser-proof armor that it's it's. I, I don't like like, like like I said. All in all, I I think it was weak. I thought it was weird that he would say it there, but I think the the, the only the, the excuse that I'm willing to give is that Cad Bane was trying to um uh, like get elicit an emotional reaction to make him make a mistake. And even if it wasn't there, Boba was going to be triggered to start thinking more emotionally. And I could see that being his reasoning. But overall, Cad Bane's whole use in the two episodes he shows up in is pretty weak. A pretty weak way to kill off this character with such... That that a lot of people probably have like some level of attachment to... Uh, because they've seen this character for years and to know that he dies off like randomly working for the pikes and taking a stand when he really could have just left. Like he saw at that moment, at the point when he squared off with uh, Boba Fett, it looked like the pikes were losing. He could have just left. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much, I, I consider it to be absolutely right. Right. Cad Bane, amazing character. Now the exact thing that happened when the, when they fought and he uh died was not actually a terrible moment i think in and of itself right what we but but what we miss is the significance of of what is tried they try to communicate the significance of that moment by a short conversation they have right before it happens right which we basically get in in a few sentences we get cad bane basically saying i knew your father i've known you for years we we have maybe been at odds before. I've stolen down. Like we get a whole bunch of like exposition that they literally just say, right? And so in that short amount of time, we are supposed to as an audience. Which if you've never, we can't rely on people to have always watched every part of Star Wars, including Rebels and Clone Wars, especially not Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. That's not that's not and like Rebels, you know, yeah. it, it's it gives you a ton of background and you are missing something if you haven't seen all that. But like those are things that are skippable. It's you know seven seasons of a of a you know animated cartoon. If you don't know that, you don't have the significance of Cad Bane, right? So to try and communicate how significant he is in literally just a couple sentences, other than that, he just looks cool. Like he 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 is an imposing force to just even show on the screen, and so someone can be like, "Whoa, what a badass!" But we're missing all the significance of the history that is communicated in just a few sentences. If here here's why I'm going to make some of my you know first points of how them including these literal just Mandalorian episodes in the middle of Boba Fett were a huge mistake. They could have spent those episodes laying the groundwork for Cad Bane more and creating the significance of Boba and Cad Bane, giving us just literally like minutes more of history and, and even maybe a face-off prior to this moment that would have made this moment more significant. Now, now it might seem like he died like in really You know what way. we could have... Here, here's a quick thing. You know what we could have had is when Boba Fett had his random flashbacks to... um. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, not Coruscant, the clone planet. What's it called? What's the clone planet? Uh, oh, the um, Camino. Yeah, when he he's having flashbacks to Camino and like the last time he saw his father, which never pays off in the narrative. If those flashbacks at that time could have been flashbacks to him as a child in the bounty hunter 
stuff, maybe show because they didn't want to reveal Cad Bane. That's the thing. They didn't want to hint at Cad Bane until they showed him because they didn't want to like they wanted it to feel big when it happened. Kind of like like saving Kingpin for the end of uh, uh, Hawkeye. They they want they didn't want to tease too much of him before it meant something and but but without setting it up if you don't know who he is it's kind it was kind of meaningless but they didn't so yeah. here's the thing is what you're referring to there like just with what you said yeah. you know and i understand kind of what you're getting at but they didn't tease anything about cad bane and his appearance for some people meant nothing yes like you know for people that know who he is it was really cool but this a lot of this show just feels like they shoehorned in tons of things to just make stuff happen, right? Oh, we're just gonna get Cat Bane because he's like a character from the things and it'll be like whatever. But like, did you know? So I, I saw this as like a like I think it was in the comics or like a legends kind of thing. But apparently Cat Bane learned from Django Fett. He has a history with Django Fett learning from him, and that's why he employs some like Mandalorian type things like having a flamethrower and whatnot. Uh and like having jet boosters and stuff. Yeah. So, so like that was some, I mean, the fact that I just happened to see like a, you know, like a YouTube short that, that told me that was like, wow, that actually give me a little more significance. Right. Yeah, I know it, that but nobody else does. Yeah. That's not even a animated series thing. I feel I don't, yeah. I, that's not something I was aware of. Yeah. That's just some, some extra thing I saw from like a, you know, a does short. it, does it make sense? Cause they are bounty hunters at the same time. Yes. Yeah, totally. But it, yeah, it's not something. And, but I feel like I did kind of get that he had a history with Django from what he said, though. Uh, but I, I don't know what the history is, but I feel like you telling me that didn't like you telling me that didn't make the relationship seem more interesting. Yeah, but I I didn't need that for his character because I already knew that his character interacted with Boba. Yeah. And so knowing that little that little point right they could have co-opted that piece of like existing thing which they clearly referenced that he knew his father right and in those it, we already have flashbacks as a thing in the series right you want to give us some cool background you show cad bane in episode uh four okay at the end of that episode you don't like we don't need to spend all this time with dinjarin right we spent an entire episode literally, literally not pushing for boba's story at all and in that episode, instead of doing a bunch of unimportant Din Djarin stuff, which again, hey, I like Din Djarin. Let me just say this right here. I love the Mandalorian. I have said before that the Mandalorian is the best Star Wars anything ever made. Okay? I'm not, this has nothing to do with me saying that Din Djarin's not, I don't want to see Din Djarin. I love seeing him in the Mandalorian. Uh, I, I would have loved to see him as a character in this show too, but giving Boba Fett's show two episodes of the Mandalorian takes away from what's in the Mandalorian and takes away from the band Boba Fett. Okay. So, and, and so let me say in those episodes, they could have with the clear, amazing technology. They love to premiere with Luke Skywalker of really making a totally different person's face look like uh, Luke Skywalker. They could have made Tamora Morrison look like his younger Django Fett self and have literal flashbacks of him, uh, of, of young Boba Fett, you know, like seeing uh, conversations or training with Django Fett and Cad Bane and how he has a history with him. We could have gotten things that were actually uh, relevant to Boba Fett's story and continue making the flash. Uh, doing that would actually make using the flashbacks make more sense, right? We're getting background continuously and they continue to use that that uh, 
that mechanism, or I don't know what the word I'm looking for. They, they use flashbacks throughout the story to give us a uh, background, right? They already did it, but they just decided, okay, we, we stopped, we finished telling the story. We need a flashback, so we'll just stop using it now, right? But they could have used it in more creative ways. They, they use that thing in a purpose. We already talked about the flashbacks not being very well done or like they weren't necessary. They could have been just done in chronological order. But if you're going to use flashbacks, then use them to give us information. Again, that becomes relevant to what's being told right now, right? Cadbane shows up. No one knows who that is. Right. Give us a flashback that shows us Boba the, having history with Cad Bane. Here's the thing, though. I feel like you're we're because we know that Cad Bane is the thing. It, it feels wrong to not give him all this extra information around him for the audience to know. But quite frankly, I think if you don't know anything about Cad Bane, he looks like an intimidating like bounty hunter and they show off that he's a quicker draw, at least quick enough draw to uh, kill Timothy Oliphant in his introduction. And they kind of establish that he is like he's someone intimidating with and and he just serves like if you don't know he's a significant character, he could just come off as looking like a cool guy that showed up in the last two episodes. And that works. I think it would work if you didn't know the backstory of it. I feel like because we be honestly, because I, I feel like his character, while it feels underutilized, because I feel like people care about that character, I think he was more or less used okay. I think it, I just think it is a weird choice. Honestly, I feel like his placement is made worse if you know backstory on him. Yeah. Be so, and because he's treated so insignificantly. Yeah. And so I, I get that. I get that. I totally agree with what you said that, that he, without any backstory is still like imposing cool force. He, he's, he reminds me of him using him. It's kind of like using Chrysanthemum, right? Chrysanthemum has some backstory and he's like in a comic or something like that, that I don't have any background on at all. But Chrysanthemum still is just a cool looking guy. Like, oh, wow. Look at that Wookiee with like, you know, gladiator looking armor. And he's got these, you know, uh, these uh, electric knuckle dusters. That like it's just cool. Like you don't need to have a backstory to see that character and be like, "Wow, that's cool." However, there is something lost. There was lost opportunity in making Cad Bane a more significant opponent, other than just looking imposing and then t uh, telling us what we know immediately in the moments. We could have, you could have had a more nuanced and deeper story by making him like giving us just more background because he is the final show off. Like it should feel, it feels like it should be a bigger climax than it is. Because he's not painted as the final bad guy. Well, I guess, I guess the final, yeah, he's the final thing that Boba faces off against, and he's not even the one to take down the to kill the Pike guys. That's that's kind of a weird thing in now, retrospect. Okay, here's the thing: is that we we have kind of mentioned before that uh, I, I don't know if we actually said it in the last podcast, but we off the podcast had talked about how Fennec Shan is being underutilized. Yeah, I think that basically like the showrunners. Uh, and writers were like, oh, we didn't really do much for Fennec Shan. We better just go make her do some significant stuff at the end of the, oh, in the finale, we'll make sure that she's like shoots a bunch. She does all the things that she's killed at, right? She just goes and like, you know, snipes out a bunch of people to and be kills honest, them as an awesome assassin. To like, be honest, though, I think because they used her exactly the way I feel like she's meant to be used in the end, I think they actually, she she's kind of well represented. Like she doesn't talk a lot and she like didn't ha always have like a strong purpose in the governance, which at the end of the season, we get the, we get the little bit of dialogue between her and Boba. Like, um, I, I don't, 
they they basically sign off that this doesn't feel like the thing that they should be doing, which kind of makes it all feel pointless in a way. Yeah, that oh, I had I literally wrote a note down that says the dialogue at the end of this thing is the stupidest. Again, like the writers of the show are are actually I, I, I literally I mean, I, I don't if those writers ever listen to this. I don't want to be terrible, but you guys are awful. You're John bad. John Favreau, the writer and showrunner yeah. of The Mandalorian. Bro, he did a bad job. Like, yeah. this was a bad job. Like, Mandalorian, amazing. This, bad. Like, this is bad. Like, at, the end, of the, at, like, at the end of the Boba Fett, whole purpose, the whole time, right? He didn't even have a good reason to be doing it. He said, I think I'll do it better. And then when you finally succeed, right? After being terrible at actually like being a, uh, a you know a leader and daimyo like uh, any of the skills necessary for that, you use the skills you have to actually succeed. At the end, you're like, uh, maybe we're not actually good at this. Well, that you actually just actually proved the point that I was gonna make that they're not very good at governance and mm -hmm. stuff. They're good at battle. That's the thing they succeeded at, and that's yeah. the thing people are celebrating them for, and that's the one victory they really got. But the governance stuff, when now that they're in a time of peace and they have no like villains to like go up against, that's when he's kind of having the realization of mm, like, do I really just want to do this? Or was I kind of having a fun time in that battle, maybe? Or and maybe that's where I'm better utilized there than I am walking around a city when there are people who maybe can do this better. Or and like live on these streets because like and we got this sort of dialogue with him and his like uh workers or the the mod people the mods, I think yeah, yeah about him going off to the fortress but they weren't going to abandon the city itself and at that point I feel like I feel like that was the first moment where I was like oh that's the perspective they're coming from and they actually have a care for the city. And I feel like it signals that he's going to maybe leave it to them. And that's why I feel like this show really hinges upon getting more than one season because I want to, I, I, I want to talk about the Mandalorian episodes because if this is a one season show, those two Mandalorian episodes are kind of inexcusable because they take up like, uh, what is it like close to around like 30% of the total show of the book of Boba Fett and have nothing to do with Boba Fett. But if there are two episodes in season one of the book of Boba Fett, I think they execute what they're trying to do perfectly well. And I think they make sense in this narrative because you have to get Jin, Jin Jar, Dar, the Mandalorian, <laughs> And you have to get Grogu and you have to get his ship and you have to get all these pieces to this place, but you don't want to speed through any of that Mandalorian stuff. Like you have to have him with Grogu in this last episode for the reasons of how they play into the episode. And that's kind of what I was getting the feeling from the prior two episodes that the stuff that's going on is going to tie in to the last episode and Grogu is going to be in the last episode involved in the battle somehow. And that's what happened. So I feel like in that way, those two episodes work for the narrative because you need to 
for whatever reason, I think it makes sense that they needed the Mandalorian's help with this. And you can't just have the Mandalorian show up, I guess. Oh, well. So, so I've heard you say a couple times, need, have to, you can't have him just show up. I will not. We've talked about this before. I will not accept that uh, it makes sense for them to go to battle and not take their one of their strongest friends. I, I totally feel like it's fine that they brought the Mandalorian. Yeah. They don't need to have Grogu. They did not have to give us an episode to like justify why he's there. They can just like literally you could take out the Mandalorian episode and just have him be there and make have him be featured in the book of Boba Fett and give us the opportunity to have questions of why like, oh, what's Jin Jaren doing here? What's this thing he's referencing? Right. Like give us little you know things that make us look forward to the Mandalorian episodes that explain what he ended up doing there and and whatnot. And, and you just don't need Grogu in this episode. He doesn't need to be here. And you might say like, oh, because they're to, to make them be together at the end so that when we start to Mandalorian they're together. But the Mandalorian can be about how he comes back and chooses him. He Grogu does not need to be here. Grogu calming the Rancor down doesn't need to be a thing. Yeah. Like it's it's a it was a use of Grogu. It made him have a reason to be there and stuff. But uh, and then and, uh, he also did save like didn't you know, kind of saved in by pulling a bolt out of thing. Those are just things that like justify him being there. He does not need to do those things. Din Djarin could have, you know, fought the tank and, and just beat it on its own and not have to rely on Grogu, right? But I understand maybe like, uh, I can understand the reasons like, oh, this is, you know, showing more of the symbiosis between them, how how they help each other. I get that. Like, I, I see how they make it useful, but, but we like kind of were getting some of that in the Mandalorian and we could see more of that in the Mandalorian, right? The Mandalorian could take time to do that. We got that even from, I mean, it's already established that there's a little bit of symbiosis between how Grogu can use his force powers to occasionally help Din when he's in trouble. It's one of like the, it's like the second episode where that happens, where we establish that, you know? So I, I think they take away from Boba Fett to set up for Mandalorian. And it's unjust, I think, in some ways. I, I As much as it's cool, again, like I still thought it was awesome that they got the battle together but we didn't need to watch a whole episode to get Din Djarin there with Boba Fett. Literally, when they just, all they had to do, again, this is a potential, you know, way that they could have done it a little different, right? Instead of, Fennec Shan says, you know, do you have enough credits? All right, I know, blah, 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 something that can help us. And then, boom, we get the little, you know, the the noise, the indicator, like the yeah. Mandalorian sound that gave us the hint that we might see him. And then the next episode, bam, Mandalorian episode. Instead of bam, Mandalorian episode, we get Mandalorian stepping off of... uh. Uh, you know, freighter or something yeah. like, like how he arrived there on Tatooine. And then maybe, maybe you can even show us that whole scene uh, where he shows up and is with, uh, I forget, Pe Petty or I think is her name. The, the, the chick with the curly hair that does the, the, the mechanics. Structure. You can give us actually that whole thing where, and then make him say where she says, Hey, where's your little friend? And he says, he's uh he's got a blah 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 like you know he's he's gone now yeah they can give us actually that whole scene and still like you know give us that right but make it like a little shorter like we didn't need to spend a ton of time on it and make fennec shand you know uh or make give him a, a thing that said that shows pevy being like hey he actually just showed up here you know and then fennec shand shows up says hey we need you to do this thing for us blah blah blah, blah. and he's like all right but i gotta go do something first and 
he goes to do thing and maybe, you know, we see the bundle, we see the bundle that looks like Grogu's head and we're like, whoa, what is that? And then we have all these cool theories and we can have all this cool stuff. Yeah. And Din Djarin goes to do something and we spend the rest of the episode doing Boba Fett stuff, like watching him develop or do whatever needs to happen. That's all we needed, right? And then Din Djarin comes back and he's there for like by the end of the episode, he's returned already. Yeah. And and they're planning the the defense, the assault. And then we get a more episode where he goes... Like, you see how, like, we didn't need even a whole episode, and it's still significant that Din Djarin shows up. We can still just have him show up on the starship, and we're like, oh, dude, it's Din Djarin. Like, he's going to be the one that helps them. We, I mean, the we just don't need a whole Mandalorian episode to make it make sense that he was there. Like, he can just be there and then help them. And, and again, spending a whole episode to do Mandalorian just takes away from all the stuff they could have done to actually further Boba Fett. I think you're right. Um, and that's kind of where the crux of the, I think this show is bad. If it's one season, I think it has promise if it's going to have multiple seasons. And the crux of that really is that like, I feel like these two episodes don't really serve Boba and they really just kind of are more like teeing in and keying into a larger shared universe between the show and the Mandalorian because the shows are on are, are like occurring basically within the same time frame because they're happening kind of concurrently. There's stuff that needs to be covered within one of the shows that the other show like because it's taking place between two seasons of the Mandalorian for whatever reason in John Favreau's grand design between the two shows He's like, okay, this stuff needs to be happening right now before Jin Djarin comes and joins this battle. And for whatever reason, they decide that it's important that this happens here in the middle of this battle and that people know about it going into this final encounter the way that they decided that it happens. Because at, like things could have played out a different way Grogu didn't need to be there, but they decided Grogu was there. And is that just because people like Grogu? Yeah, probably. But look, it's it's Star Wars canon now. That's what that's how it happened. Um, and, and that's not like the pure excuse of it all. But if it if this is just gonna tee, key into the further story of the Book of Boba Fett later on like this is all just set up to what he's going to do past this then i'm willing to sit and wait and and give it the chance to pay off more about boba fett because it, like straight up if this is all we're getting out of the book of boba fett i'm kind of with you this is bad this does not talk about boba fett enough and it spends two episodes on the mandalorian but if you think about it as an episode of Star Wars, like the shared universe between it and the Mandalorian, it's it's good. It's entertaining. And like the two episodes only those two episodes only feel weird because if you look at it from the prism of this is meant to be Boba Fett's shining moment and this is his chance to get all of his backstory in these seven episodes. But if you look at look at it as these seven episodes that are largely focused more around Boba Fett and Boba Fett's goals that happen to 
intersect with this part of the Mandalorian storyline, which we need to cover so that it makes sense where he is, what place he is at in interacting with Boba Fett. But we don't want to, but this stuff that's occurring with Boba Fett, Mandalorian needs to be here. These things need to happen with the Mandalorian. So we need these episodes to show this prior to the Mandalorian's involvement with Boba Fett's little battle war thing. And we can't just give you two episodes of the Mandalorian to get that done. So we're just going to put it in the book of Boba Fett because it's all just sort of part of this larger narrative across the two shows. The biggest criticism of the show is that it's branded the book of Boba Fett. Not that any of the storyline, any of the stuff that's going on is bad. If this is meant to be one contained narrative of seven episodes, it's bad. If you look at it from the larger narrative of Star Wars, it's pretty good. So I I can understand that, right? However, I cannot... I, I, under, I understand what you're saying, but... The thing is, I don't think any singular movie and or TV show justifiably can get away with saying, well, it's okay if you look at it in the grander scheme, right? Because all these TV shows released as they are as content are self-contained, right? Of course, they all fit in. All the Marvel TV shows fit into their grander scheme and the Star Wars TV shows are fitting in the grander scheme. But the, and, and we, this is kind of what we got at when we talk about this off the podcast is that. So, I mean, and I try to make comparisons to, you know, movies. Uh, I try to make comparisons to, to books. But we can take the easiest comparison to The Mandalorian, the first Mandalorian season. And you can include this in season two, but the first Mandalorian season. An unknown character, multiple unknown characters, totally introducing us to new characters. Self-contained story. There was no, like, necessarily hint that it was going to be all connected to different, you know, key feature characters. I mean, there were hints and small things, right? And, and again, a character that nobody knows. He was he was cool. It was like, whoa, look at this guy with armor and stuff. But it's not literally uh, Fennec Shand, Boba Fett, like m- multiple named characters that all have backstory that they can rely on. It's a guy that we have to learn and be introduced to. And that first season, just in and of itself, not how it connects to anything else, is is the best, in, again, my opinion, best Star Wars content like ever made. Why could they not do a similar thing with the strength of multiple good characters and backstory that's already connected. Like we're coming off of the end of Mandalorian season two and all the things that came from that with strong known characters with great history. And why can't this story be good? And so as a self-contained story and also connect to the bigger realm. And I think it's just how it was written, right? Yeah. There was so much potential. This, this is why I'm like really critical of it because I wanted this show to be good. It has so much potential, almost easy potential to be good. And that's why it's like for them to fail is or like, in my opinion, to fail, to not really deliver for, for, it to, for me to even feel like this. Why should I, why do I even have any ammunition to make this argument? The fact that I have so much, so many points I can make here is, is just, you know, again, adds to my case that like, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like infallible here, but like that I am more or less correct. Like I have points here that are indisputable about how things were just not like very yeah. good. And I and I have to agree with you on a lot of that stuff. I guess 
at the end, like the reason I made that point, that argument is not so much to relieve the show of the sins of making a bad singular contained narrative. I'm, I can't take away any of that. What I can do is try to paint the show in a way that makes it more digestible and accessible and able to say that it's entertaining because if you're looking at it, trying to get this show to give you the same thing as the Mandalorian uh, season one in particular, or either season, if you go into the show expecting something that's was as fresh and new as the Mandalorian in a show that's literally named after a character that's been around for decades, I think it sets up for failure to go into the show with too high of expectations and to try and look at it as this contained narrative, because that's what it may have looked like it was going to be going into it. But looking back, that's not what it was. That's not what the creators apparently had in mind when they made it. And that's kind of a messaging problem on their part. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it as just more star Wars in the star Wars universe, that's the best way to look at it where you can leave the show and be entertained and happy about the things you saw. And I just, I think I want to be happy with the show that I watched. And so that's why I'm looking at it that way. And I've like listened to some reviews of the show and that's kind of the way the people who are responding positively to the show are looking at it from the mindset of this is cool. Star Wars is it focusing on Boba Fett all that much? Is it what I wanted out of a Boba Fett show? No, but it's still cool. It's still Star Wars. I'm still entertained. And it's not like the narrative going on doesn't make sense at all. And if you look at it in a way, the contained narrative of the show is like the Boba dealing with the Pikes. Like if you wanted to summarize what occurs in this show overall, Boba Fett takes over like Mos Espa deals with the Pikes and ends the spice trade and blah, blah, blah. And there's all sorts of uh, ramifications that could be played out in another season that I would like to see. And I would like to give this show more, more potential in the future. I, I basically, I'm just trying to look at it in a favorable way because at least the sense I get from you I know like there are parts that you enjoyed, but you have left like the past two episodes largely negative, And I just don't want to look at the show from that way, even though I recognize issues and I see things that are wrong with it. I think with Star Wars, I've already seen the worst that Star Wars can be. And as long as it's not as egregious as episode nine was in my eyes, I'm going to be kind of happy and I'm going to just kind of accept what's given. Star Wars isn't perfect. And yeah, Mandalorian's the closest it's ever been or ever will be. So Star Wars, Star Wars being beloved IP, right? That in some ways is just kind of a money maker, right? People yeah. that like Star Wars are just going to keep watching Star Wars and, and consuming Star Wars content, right? I'm going to keep watching Star Wars. I'm going to keep liking Star Wars, right? However, not uh, choosing to look at 
Star Wars content and and choosing to be okay with it because because it's nice to have Star Wars content and it's nice to see characters we like just exist and do things is is uh basically is laying the groundwork for them to just keep putting things we like in front of us and and not actually create meaningful stories thinking that that's okay. I think being very critical and holding them accountable to the wasted potential of the book of Boba Fett, like, you know, which is, that's what I'm doing. I want to point out like the things that are not good. If people enjoyed it, Hey, I got some enjoyment out of it. I still think I still generally am like, it's cool that I got to see Boba Fett do these things and see, didn't yeah. do these things. The show, the episodes that I can't, you know, that you, you mentioned, I was negative about, I wasn't negative because I was mad that I got to see Din Djarin do awesome stuff like Mandalorian cool stuff. I'm, I was mad because the choice to do it there uh, diminishes the story I was hoping to see, which is just the book of Boba Fett story. Yeah. The story of how he takes over Tatooine, which is what, what we were hinted at and promised, essentially. He goes to Tatooine, takes over Jabba's palace, and I want to see how that how that happens. I don't not want to see Din Djarin. I, I, would, I love seeing Din Djarin. But what I don't want to see is them give the story I, of, of this Boba Fett story that I wanted to watch over to Din Djarin so that he can later also have his own show, which I want to see too. It's un, it's it's unjust, and I and I need to point out the criticisms to hold the, the writers and and accountable for doing a better job. I don't want like I I said in the last podcast that Boba Fett feels weaker after watching those first those first episodes, and and at the end of this this season, I'm like seeing he was a cool fighter at the end was like okay, you know, like that's that's good and stuff. But I still come away being like Boba Fett has lost something by uh, by giving by them giving us more, right? Din Djarin didn't become like worse as we got to see more of his flaws and things. He became better. Like we could connect with him because he had flaws and he wasn't in, like you know unbeatable and stuff. But he also had this great power. Boba Fett, like somewhat from the story, did not become a better character, and it doesn't seem like he learned anything. In I don't I don't know that he grew and really learned anything. So like and and again, there's further reason for me to point out where he is moved by the story. Not he's not the one driving things. Like literally, he's like uh, Fennec Shan's like we need soldiers. We need to call in some people. Like we uh, wh where was it? There was this one moment uh, I'm trying to remember what it was where I think when they're doing the planning or something, he he literally says let's go to the palace, and then one of his lackeys says. No, we're gonna stay here, and he's like, "Okay." Oh yeah, that's kidding? the point I made earlier. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, we went I, over. It, that. it was the uh, the the mods. Yeah, the mods, and that was like, uh, okay, I guess Boba Fett doesn't run this shit, and if you know, and it's not to say like, oh, a, a leader shouldn't listen to his advisors, but it's like, it's kind. I don't know. It it he, seemed like again a weak moment. There's he, just been lots of weak moments for Boba Fett, and and again, failure. The failure and learning from that uh, gives you the opportunity for growth. We don't want characters that are like totally unbeatable. I don't. I don't want that. I don't want Boba Fett to be the most badass, totally unkillable. Nobody can beat him. I, I want to see him be weak in ways, but not like be just like not a strong character. And and I need to point out these criticisms. I need to point out how the show itself uh, has failed in in many ways to be good because I, I believe. That by holding this accountable, by by making sure this message is out there, that it's not like they can't just get away with 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 throwing cool looking stuff at us and thinking we'll be okay with that, right? Episode nine is like, oh guys, Palpatine's back, and and uh uh and it's a thousand star destroyers 
Um, and, and, and Look, he that, does big force lightning and like, it, like that's, I, that's a, I mean, that's not exactly the same thing there. No, yeah. But, it, I, but it's I, a, I don't even want to get into how. Yeah. Episode nine, cool Star Wars is. stuff, right? Wasn't it a bunch of cool stuff? Yeah. But that doesn't make for a good story. Ugh. Right. And then, and we can't excuse now. I would say Boba Fett's got a better story than, you know, this episode nine has, but, uh, yeah. but, but literally episode nine is like, if we just bring back some cool stuff and make the stakes even bigger than a thousand star destroyers that can all destroy planets, like. What? You can't just put bigger, cooler stuff in front of us and expect that to be an okay story. I first want to get back. The beginning of that was you addressing that mm -hmm. being critical is important to keep them from. Yes. Yeah. So and, I'm, I'm digressing. Yeah. And in overall, and but but overall, I I want to agree with that. That it is important to have critiques when critiques are valid. And it the point I was more trying to make is that because mm -hmm. I because I've agreed with all your critiques and I have my own critiques for the show it's more i i would just hope that i would just hope that for your sake you are able to look at it from the mindset like at the end of the day like when you go back and think about the show that you can try to look at it from the more positive angle it's like looking at the last season of game of thrones some people will never be able to get past the fact that it was done badly and so it leaves this like permanent black stain on the show as a whole whereas I look at that last season and I'm like, yeah, that was bad, but there was enough things that were good about it that the whole show isn't ruined for me. And that's kind of the, 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 the thing that I'm willing, I want to, to give, to try to put out there, to look at the show with a bit of rose colored glasses, but still be willing to talk about, yeah, this stuff's bad. This didn't work. Yes, you're right. They could have done better. That that's the point I tried to make. I I understand. Go on, go on. Sorry, finish. Well, yeah. And the other thing I want to address is something that came up to my mind when you were talking after that point about how it makes Bo Boba a weaker character and it it, it does doesn't serve Boba Fett. And and I think another reason why I'm able to look at the show a little better is that Boba Fett as a character i don't think has ever been good or interesting at all and so the second episode of this show where we get him and the um uh the tuscans doing the very like uh dances with wolves like meets dune plot was in my opinion the best episode of the of this season better than the one Mandalorian episode. That was cool and nifty to see an episode of the Mandalorian. But I think the one episode with the Tuscan Raiders is the strongest episode of the season because it's the most interesting. I think Boba Fett has ever been or will ever be. And you could argue that it's the one time where he wasn't letting the narrative drive him because once he earned the favor of the Tuscans, we see he leads them to take down the pikes that have been attacking them and succeeds in the mission and gets that done. And is it kind of it does it does it take away from that episode that the very next episode, the Tuscans die and we see that the Tuscans were just there to try and motivate him later on? Kind of. But that one episode of Boba Fett was the best thing, was the most character to the character boba fett that i've liked uh that i've ever seen a boba fett because in the original trilogy he's a nothing character that people imprinted 
opinions on in the prequels and in the clone wars he's a little annoying kid and in the mandalorian he is that guy from the original trilogies out of a out of the pit and we see we get like a generic idea he seems kind of similar to Django. yeah i mean and basically we just get the mysterious powerful bounty hunter return you know and so he maintains that mystery which was always somewhat you know his his power is that you know we didn't know a lot about him we just know he was the best bounty hunter in the galaxy at one point and and one thing interesting about the show is that we still kind of keep that mystery because we still don't know who Boba Fett is in between the last time he's seen in the Clone Wars as a little punk annoying kid to the faceless like nothing that he is in the original trilogy that's still a big fat mystery to the character that we don't know who that was he is essentially like and the show really kind of designates it as a rebirth of the character him crawling out of the pit he's becoming a new person at that point and i think that's that's why they show that so early that they want to get that point across that this is the book of this boba fett not that old boba fett so if you have an idea of who boba fett was all those years that's still there he was still that guy maybe we don't know we don't know who he was while he was the bounty hunter but this boba fett is this guy and he's a little older and he he's getting a little more moral like uh cad bane said you're getting soft in your old age and that's appropriate that's accurate yeah so you know i want to agree with you right that those the tuscan raider episodes are like some of the strongest episodes like truly strong in like the actual the one narrative. episode i don't think anything I, I else th- involved i think some there's some attachment to other points really yeah. it's that as a what I'm, I'm looking at at boba fett as a character and that that tuscan raiders episode and other portions right it's not yeah. to say some of the, the criticism i had about his weakness as a character have been completely all the way through but basically like the tuscan raider episode him having all of his armor removed so his imperviousness removed and him making him him having agency and driving forward all of those different points there he tries to escape he kills that thing and goes back with the kid instead of like you know making a yeah. moral choice he tries to help them he like wants to learn from like it's yeah he's doing i mean obviously some things are happening around him but he's making choices he's doing things he is the is the the person that moves the story along when we're actually back in like the present time it's literally like people coming and being like oh uh the the you know the mayor didn't send you anything uh let's go to the mayor yeah let's go to the mayor uh the mayor's like everything's fine okay i'll go back and assassin attacks or like assassin stack him yeah what is going on here blah blah, blah. like job of the hut send another assassin after him like it's just a bunch of like people doing things to him and him responding i agree i agree that's, um that's not good character and, you know? and like and something that we didn't get to touch upon because we talked about the first three episodes and not episode four where episode four is where in the flashbacks we get this never really discussed never really elaborated upon five-year jump at some point oh oh yeah 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 we talked about that off the podcast too yeah there's just like a general bunch of years pass by guys because as far as i'm concerned the way that the narrative spins it he is with the tuscan raiders a week maybe a couple weeks max and then they die and then five years pass and Fennec Shan shows up and he saves Fennec Shan. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Oh, and we got the mod guy 
they they paid him off by bringing him in at the end. And Timothy Oliphant, oh, he's pretty much dead, but no, he's not. He's but he, also not yeah. Dead. <laughs> we put him in a bantha tank, and uh, yeah, the modifier dude, the mod surgeon guy, is gonna fix him too. Like yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, all which, sorts of things. Which is uh, I just want to say like is kind of cool but also he just got shot like one time i don't think you need to do surgery on him if the back to tank if he's in the back to tank but whatever yeah. i guess we'll just give him a robot arm or some shit like whatever i think i call it bantha tank <laughs> but yeah back to back to tank um like but, a bantha yeah like, like oh my god that that's silly little meme thing uh, yeah. like a bantha <laughs> yes um uh uh, but yeah, like it's I mean, again, they're just going to be like, ooh, cool Star Wars stuff. We're going to give uh, Cobb Vance some uh, some cybernetics or something because we can. Yeah. Not because he wants to, because there doesn't seem to be any reason that you need to give cybernetics for a single laser bolt. We need to set up Star Wars Freetown somehow where Timothy Oliphant is once again a cowboy, but this time a cybernetic cowboy. Yeah, cyber cowboy. Like Cad Bane's dead, so we need to throw in another cyber cowboy, you know. Yeah. Um, man, there's like a lot I can say about the weakness. So I, I think I made my point really about yeah. like the weakness of, of the, the show and characters. Normally we give letter grades at the beginning and you gave yours as like a B minus C plus. I avoided giving mine cause I feel like it was going to give away the fact that I kind of agree with you overall. Um, cause I was like kind of teetering B, B plus and this is sort of confirmed to me that it's more like B, B minus because the Star Wars stuff in it is still cool. That second episode, I think, is like a, a near a plus kind of episode. Like I there's still the present day stuff in that episode that takes away from it. But I think everything, all of the uh, Dune dances with Dunes with wolves, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah, that whole thing is some of the best. It, it, it's the best thing that happens in the season removed Mandalorian stuff is cool. Uh, but even the Mandalorian episode spent 15 minutes of him building a plane or building his uh, new star fighter, whatever. I can't remember what it's called, but it's the Naboo one. Yeah. So one, one thing I even just thought of right now, I was like, if you removed, but if you removed Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, Din Djarin, actually, no, leave Din Djarin in. Leave the in. Take away Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. Make this a some new standalone Star Wars story about the guy that took over Tatooine, right? It's not Boba Fett. It's not about Boba Fett. Yeah. Is this a good show still? No. No, it's really bad. Like, this is a terrible, nobody, this is not getting renewed for another season show. Because Boba Fett's in it, it's all more significant. Yeah. Like, and that, you know, like kind of just something because right Jin Jarin's right in it, it's more significant. Yeah. I've said leave yeah. Jin Jarin yeah. in it. And this is still like, this could be a, a show that like fails, but still moves the plot of Mandalorian for it. And it still was useful. Be see, but I feel like if you only left Jin Jarin in the same stuff that he's in, the show feels weird that you don't give him more of the show because he's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a it, yeah, yeah, it, and then everybody goes, "Wow, this show is terrible! Why didn't you just make it a Mandalorian season or something?" But yeah, that's kind of my point. I, I want to, uh, you know, the thing is, hey, we didn't get to talk I, about the Mandalorian episodes very much, so I, I would like to spend some time talking about those episodes. I mean, more in specific, and I, I have some comments I want to make about the finale. I have just a bunch of like literal criticisms and little things I liked about the finale because because we just watched this. This is being. Um, recorded shortly after we watched the, the same episode. day that the episode came out the Wednesday. Yeah. So, so I had some like things I literally wrote down. I kind of just wanted to 
point out a little bit. Um, but also, I would like to touch on those Mandalorian episodes. So let's let me do the fan finale stuff yeah. before uh, we get to the Mandalorian episodes, since those are a little older and these are more fresh. Yeah. So my notes are really maybe just some nitpicks from the finale, uh, but I kind of want to just address them. And you know, you can maybe counter me or, or clarify some things. So one thing I wrote down was just really terrible tactical decisions during this thing. I honestly was like, did they think it was a good idea when facing a clearly superior force of men to position single individuals or, or I mean, two, I mean, there's one that's a gang of people. So that's doesn't make, uh, you know, that's not terrible, but um, to place literally one guy for a sector and two guys for a sector, two Gamorians, one Wookiee. I think the, con the concept is that they were just looking, look on the lookout for pikes. They weren't mm -hmm. expecting to be ambushed by the natives of uh, Tatooine. That seems possible. Then why didn't they just, you know, have the, the gang of like 15 mods potentially, you know, have a few of them with the other guys? Like you could spread out your forces a little bit so that, I mean, like one guy could literally just be shot. I mean, again, another I mean, point, another point to bring up is you're not going to take down a Wookiee. I mean, but why can't you, if you just shoot him, like again, I've, but you know, we've hey, seen Wookiees get shot a lot. I don't, I, I feel like there's something about them. So, so this kind of leads into another point that I did write down, which was really convenient that, you know, some of them, the, the ones that have only melee weapons, not only melee weapons, but but are primarily melee or like one single guy pretty much fight a bunch of melee guys and the mods. Oh, th those guys, the Aqualish, they have all, they all have laser rifles. They all have laser guns, but yeah. the other ones, no, just swords, like whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, it's kind of just like, that's a okay. Whatever. I can see that complaint for like a lot of stuff though. Like, yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't make total sense that like someone would just exclusively have a melee weapon or I, I can understand the idea that maybe, uh, laser pistols are hard to get a hold of, right? So not every guy uses a laser pistol. That is totally understandable. But why is it that this section of guys all have laser pistols, but these ones have none? It would make more sense that there's like a handful of guys with laser pistols and more guys with melee weapons. That makes total sense to me, right? One's harder to get. Um, but for just one group to have, I feel, all have them, it, I feel it, like now the, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I feel like this is very much just kind of nitpicky. Again, yeah, these are nitpicky yeah. things. Because um, this could another, be another nitpick. Literally, literal people running, like groups of people running from a thing that moves at the the, the speed of a casual crawl, like the the tank, very imposing tank. Oh yeah, I thought ass. it was dumb that I was able to catch up with. Yeah, them. it's like showing guys like fleeing from it, but like you know, and falling over and stuff. But it's just like slowly crawling along. There's no reason anybody shouldn't be able to just outrun it and get around corners and stuff. Yeah. So whatever, though, you know, just has to serve the story. Oh, the tanks complete i mean uh, being devastating yet it's stormtrooper like complete inability to actually hit anything like it dude it's right in front of its its enemies with the gun pointed at them and just misses multiple times it's in front of a group of people so there's like dozens of them all in just one general area and it's just shooting the walls around them like i don't think anybody actually gets killed by the tank i mean there might be like one or two but like when when they're i i I, you know, maybe I don't know why they made this decision. Maybe they were trying not to be, you know, extra deadly or something. But I felt like it would have been really cool to just see it like picking off people and just like, you know, people dying from this super badass tank when it was just like this tank uh, basically like, well, it seems to do a bunch of devastation and destruction actually achieves nothing. 
Um, so whatever. Uh, I had written down here. Oh yeah. Cad Bane just, you know, decides to show up with no reinforcements by himself. I can understand he wanted to do it by himself. He's a lone guy. Doesn't want to work with the team and stuff, but then just casually knocks Boba off the rain court with a flamethrower. He's just like flames. Boba doesn't do anything to stop him. The rain court's just like, all right, I'm leaving. You know, I'm just like, okay, whatever. I guess we'll just take that. King Kong reference, uh, very clear King Kong reference with the Rancor. I don't know if you you caught it, but him climbing up in the tower and like leaning out and like shaking his fist. I was like, King Kong. Yeah, I, I had uh, heard in a review of the episode that uh, apparently Dave Filoni is a big uh, King Kong Godzilla fan. Um, Let's see. I, I did note. Dumbass dialogue in the end, really just terrible dialogue. Like, I, I, I don't think it was dumb. Them, I, I, because I heard someone another criticism of them, him basically saying that maybe we're not suited for this. I do believe that the experiences that they've had helped to both helped Boba Fett to realize that while he thinks that he wants to do good and that by running Jabba's empire in a better way, that's a way he can be a better person that the experience of doing the battling and the whole thing made him realize that it's kind of not what he's actually suited for. It's kind of not what he's meant to be. It it would be like an old Django Fett or it would be like an old Django Fett, like, turning good and then deciding to be a leader of something because it's just not in his blood it's just not what he's built for he could have had the intention to be into it because like that's where the power is so you would think that that's something you want but then when you're in there you realize it's not what you want it's funny you would say an old Django Fett when Boba Fett is an old Django Fett literally (laughs) he is literally that's what but it it, but it would be like if Django Fett in his old age decided he wanted to start leading things it wouldn't make sense for him either to actually enjoy doing that Mm -hmm. and Boba's probably only thinks that he wants that because he's gotten screwed over or he does like he Jabba's gone, and then the person that replaced Jabba is kind of worse than him. And he's just like, well, I bet I could do it better. And he kind of, in a way, did it better, at least than the last guy. I don't know how good Jabba actually was at his job. I mean, you know, he's eliminated uh, the spice trade, so therefore making, you know, he's he's the good, as as I had seen in um, Screen Crush slash Rants, uh, I always read which one I watch, uh, with Ryan Erie. This would be specific on the one I'm talking about. He said something like, you know, he's the good kind of be- a gangster, because he doesn't sell drugs. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like, yeah, like every other I guess every other kind of crime's OK, like hiring people to kill other people, like no problem selling. Well, other- no, spices, spices, uh, slave slavery that's supporting slavery. Yeah, yeah. But the other kinds of crime are all fine. But drugs and so again, slavery, it's indirectly slavery, right? Like I, you by not buying the drug, you are not supporting the, the slaves. But what he said about not selling spice was it's killing our people, not they use slaves to mine it. So he was more like how drugs affect people. But there, like there are several lever- levels of spice being morally bad. Yeah, multiple levels. Right. But his yeah. what we are told by the story that we see is that it, he is, is that concerned it's about people. its drugs. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and and so, you know, he's the good kind of gangster because drugs are bad. Uh, I mean, the Sons of Anarchy didn't like to do drugs. Yeah, exactly. They're the good kind of gangsters, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I did also say. Uh, I wrote down, I was just like, why not lead with tanks? Why literally let like 
many dozens of your men get killed instead of just leading with the tanks and having them supported with all the guys. Again, you know, they're not tacticians. They're not. I just I don't understand why you wouldn't lead with the impenetrable fucking tank things than your people like 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 the bodies are more expendable or something. Mm. Uh, or, uh, you know, just when there's a tank, all the guys just decide to stand around. it. Maybe it's because the tanks aren't very good at hitting targets, but they're hard to beat. And so they feel like the using their troops could kill off more at first. And then like they're just left with less people to fight off these tanks that are virtually impenetrable unless you have some means of getting past them, their defense. Except that you could send them with the tanks and the guys. And that would just be better overall. Maybe yeah. but for the purpose of the story, you know, we don't want them facing a literal army of guys plus I, tanks. Look, I, I just lose. honestly, I I'm bored by any of the tactical things because there's yeah. plenty of TV shows that do dumb tactical stuff that people are totally fine with. I, and I under and I get that. And like Star Wars, even in and of itself, is not like known for people making like legitimate tactical decisions. They pretty much rely on the I hope I don't get hit. And I'm, a you know, I have plot armor. So, yeah, I'll just run through fire and stand like within feet of people firing laser guns. I, I think even when we were talking about the Bad Batch, I criticized how like there were um, enemy like um, like uh, droids standing like literally just like feet from the characters just missing firing at them. And, and when they're not even moving, they're just like sort of hunched over. So Star Wars is practically known for the things cannot hit you know, stuff, plot, armor, kind yeah, of. Yeah, so I, I and I, do you, if you want to make a broader critique of that as a whole in not only Star Wars, but other franchises that have this kind of issue, that's fine. But don't don't cite it as the reason Boba Fett's like complete garbage. Oh, no, no, no. It's true I, of everything. I just wanted to nitpick things or yeah. I was just like, well, uh, and that this is not Boba Fett. The series is bad because of those things. Because Star Wars does this all the time. This is not even that the finale is necessarily bad because it's still. I mean, like it's like whatever. You can just kind of hand wave some of those things. But I, I, I would notice them was just like this. <laughs> so, those are some of my nitpicky things. Um, you know, we talked enough about the finale. I think overall, and I picked a couple things. I don't know if you want to comment on the finale a uh, little more. I yeah, the finale overall. I enjoyed it for what it was. Did it? fix every issue going into the finale. No, but I was able to sit back and have a good time. Yeah. Um, can, can I take a moment just to say that I've been super critical of the show overall and even the finale and pointing out all these things. However, I have, I have enjoyed and been entertained by watching the book of Boba Fett. And, and like, I don't want people to be like this, like my opinions, this show's trash, like blah, 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 blah. I just expect more and want it to be better and want to point out the things that aren't very good about it and, and how I would hope that, you know, shows like it can be better in the future. So but I was still entertained and like, I'm glad that it exists. So I feel like I've sort of touched upon this idea as I've talked before, but a, something that I actually heard in a, another review of the show was that the series felt more like a uh, world building than it did crafting a narrative. And if you look at it from the perspective of the Star Wars franchise being built out and having like more details into the greater. Yeah, like I, I've sort of touched upon this already, but if you look at it at th the show was kind of being pitched one way and it ended up being something else. See, now I, I while it does do something for world building, I think because 
I think they are they are trying to still craft a narrative for Boba Fett, and they also try to incorporate world building and moving along the Mandalorian plot. And they try to do, uh, they almost try to do too many things here, and that's maybe yeah, that's one the, of the problem. Yeah. yeah, there's too much being done. Like what I what I might hope to see right from the, like the Rangers of the New Republic um, is is like a lot of world building. Like I don't even care if like we follow like a really great story, but like that's the opportunity for us to like literally have guys flying around in X wings to like different parts of the galaxy, and it's just get to see all these different things. Like that'll be a great opportunity to do world building. Um, here. I just don't think it was a thing they should have done really at all. Other than just as a, as a matter of course, like, you know, doing things on Tatooine, we learn more about Tatooine, but, but yeah. So we talked a lot about the book of Boba Fett. Now let's talk about the Mandalorian specifically season three, episode uh, one, which is a, uh, <laughs> Which apparently is <laughs> takes place in the middle of the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Now, so one thing that I, again, something that I heard described in a YouTube video that I watched reviewing the show and theorizing why they put it into this show was that if this episode was the premiere episode of, or if this episode and the following episode and like that whole arc of putting the two back together. If that was your episode one or episode one and two of the Mandalorian, then it feels like the beginning of season three of the Mandalorian is undoing the entirety of what season two was, which was getting I, I arguably season one and two, which was just getting Grogu to the Jedi. So they just said it was okay to undo everything that season two did in Boba Fett and it makes it okay. But like it, it, if you if it had been the if it had been the beginning of season three, people would have been like, well, what, what was the point of season two? But people are thinking about it being in the middle of Boba Fett, and like had that had that thought crossed your mind that this is their way of like softly resetting uh, the status quo for Mandalorian season three without it being as noticeable because they're putting it in another place. Does that kind of make sense to you? I, I do see how that is a that is some decent reasoning. I understand that. Yeah. I, like I still maybe have room to disagree, like how they didn't. I, I feel I think that they could have done something similar and it wouldn't have quite that effect. Um, like I, when you're saying that, like I'm sitting there thinking like, well, because we, we keep saying how we wish that this had been episode one and two of The Mandalorian. But if it had been episode one and two of The Mandalorian, like there is a point where it's like, well, he literally just gave him to Luke. And now the next episode of the next season, they're undoing it. It feels weird. But if you put it in the middle of the book of Boba Fett, then you get like four episodes having nothing to do with man, with the Mandalorian before this gets brought up. And so your mind can kind of think, oh, while Boba Fett's doing this, Mando's doing stuff. So there's time passing right here. Before we get to Man uh, Mando and Grogu being reunited, and it sort of tricks your brain into thinking that it makes more sense. And so they sacrificed Boba Fett to trick our brains to make Mandalorian season three a little better. I, and maybe they didn't think that it would be as much of a sacrifice to the quality of the show as it kind of was. But that th that's another reasoning that you can put to basically got like it's basically their way of like hiding that they just kind of 
reset the status quo of the Mandalorian going into season three. But let's talk about the episode. Uh, freaking great. Honestly, what an awesome re-entrance of, I mean, okay. The way that they did it, this being in the middle of Boba Fett, uh, was like a, wow. Oh my God. Din Djarin entering the room. Boom. I think we just get I, these episodes. I, I, I may, I think I'm, I thought of this before these episodes do more to further the Mandalorian in one episode than, than like multiple episodes of Boba Fett do. I well, I would say that it does more to forward the plot of the Mandalorian than a lot of episodes of the Mandalorian. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's, I think that that might even be a point is that I think what they do in that episode of Boba Fett, uh, the Mandalorian episode, the mainly Mandalorian episode is I think they could have not done things as I, the way that they do it is done very well, but we could have spent more time. And in that case, like, I think they could have taken what we get through in the course of like one and a half Mandalorian episodes, plus like the finale, essentially. Yeah. And they could have extended that over maybe two to like two and a half episodes of the Mandalorian and made it make more sense. Like, like the, the idea of like tricking our minds and not, you know, feeling yeah. like that. They could have just extended the time of all that and made it make more sense about how he comes like Grogu comes back to him. But maybe maybe further the plot of the of the Mandalorian with Mando not having Grogu and and give us some more uh, background about why why Mando uh, misses Grogu, even though we do I, see in the single scene. I'm not I'm not giving this as a reason why as a as, I'm not giving this as being a good reason, but I think the reasoning is that they just want Grogu to be their episode one. Yeah, I guess so. Because that's he he's he's kind of he's not the star because we love uh, Mando, but he's kind of the star. Yeah, which I think is kind of like, I guess I guess it's like fan service, like make Grogu be in there. People might like the show less if Grogu's not there. It's like it's like you watch Pokemon and Ash Ketchum's cool, but Pikachu's where it's at. That kind of deal. I do get that, except I I don't think it translates directly because I, in some ways I definitely think Pikachu is more iconic than Ash Ketchum. And, but I think, I think, okay, maybe that's just actually me. Or Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Pooh, Pooh is the real shit. But I even, even there, I still, my opinion is that Mando is more significant than Grogu. Grogu but, is a, is a cute little add on to the things that Mandalorian does. And it's a foil in some ways. Like his seriousness is foiled by like the, the playful nature. And that's because one of them is the human character that actually has stuff that happens to them and has plot, but they're still just kind of a person. Whereas the other thing is like this cute otherworldly thing that we can't experience in this real life that kind of encapsulate encapsulates people's uh, imaginations and hearts because it's cute and it just works. And they're kind of relying on that to, help them through season three of a show that people are continuously hyping up. Mm -hmm. Like, like it, there is a bit of a pressure put on a series when you get one season. Great. This is the best star Wars things. Season two, still great. This is still the best star Wars thing going into season three. That puts a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. Really raises expectations. Like I'm actually trying to lower my expectations for Mandalorian season three. I think I, Boba Fett helps to do that. I think, I think, yeah, Boba Fett helps to do that. And potentially it might be well served that they did end up doing the stuff of Mandalorian. Like uh, it might be well served that they sacrifice a little bit of Boba Fett 
to get Mandalorian in a place that they think is going to deliver a really good season three. That that's the hope right now, and that's what I will expect. But I'm I'm lowering my expectations. I'm thinking, you know, on the backs of what has already happened, I it's hard going to be hard to top those things. Like they, I mean, bringing in a Luke Skywalker, him meeting up with Bo Katan and Boba Fett, blah blah. How are we going to have that other than, I mean, like getting Admiral Thrawn or something in there and yeah. and, and Ezra Bridger. Uh, is his last name Bridger? I, right. I, yeah, but Ezra from Rebels and like Admiral Thrawn. Unless, unless we throw some straight, you know, heavy hitters like that, like we've sort of expended some of the like cameos and, and notable appearances that can happen. Um, I mean, we could get like a Han Solo kind of thing too or whatever, a Leia. I mean, we could get some of that, but it's, yeah, I, it's unlikely. At this point, it's going to have to stand on its own two feet a little more. Um, and so I think maybe maybe sacrificing Boba Fett a little bit to set itself up is what might be worth it. And I, if it is, uh, then I'll, I'll look back on that sacrifice and be like, okay, well, I guess I can understand why they had to do that. But yeah, so we were going to start on the episode. Uh, but yeah, that the episode, the, the Return of the Mandalorian, I, can I just say, you already gushed over how great it is when the episode started and i saw his helmet i just kind of had this smile that didn't leave my face until the episode ended and and once the episode ended i was like wow that had nothing to do with boba fett but i still loved it yeah and which is a problem for the book of boba fett yeah but as an episode of television what a ride yeah absolutely i mean just in so much like good stuff like uh, you know, like finding out, getting this, finding out more about how he's connecting with the dark saber or about how he's broken his code. And now how he feels like he had to redeem himself, giving us like a forward drive for him to redeem Mandalore. I, like if I can only be redeemed in the, in the waters of Mandalore and it's important to me, then I need to go do it. And that, and that's setting up our plot for Mandalorian season three. He has to, he's venturing to Mandalore and I'm kind of psyched about that. I want to see the resurrection of Mandalore and the Mandalorian people. And, it's one of those things that I don't think is ever addressed in any of the sequel movies, what the status of Mandalore is, how the Mandalorians are doing. So there's a lot of potential for stuff we don't know about this planet. Things could happen that are restoring the civilization that was once there or something else could happen. We have no idea and it's promising and it's interesting and I, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I, I'm very excited for what those episodes set up. And they're just so well, it's like, you know, like Boba Fett's like cool in its ways. But like I, that episode of the Mandalorian and the Boba Fett <coughs> is just set done so well. I'm like, this is an episode of the Mandalorian. Yeah. This feels great. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. You know? I, I will say in the next episode where he uh, meets up it's with Pelly. Pelly is her name, I think. Um, the mechanic lady. Well, that's in the same first episode. I, I think you had mentioned. Oh, is it in that episode? Yeah, um, and I, it's probably it's like 15 minutes of them building a ship that kind of didn't need to be there. Yeah, that is, in my opinion, uh, a part where we really could have like cut down on that. I, 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 you had said that Pelly is a really liked character, uh, in maybe in the community, and so I get that maybe they wanted to give more. Well, I just think I just think Amy Sedaris is a well liked actress, and people are happy to see her. Yeah, but I just don't know that it warranted 15 whole minutes. It honestly could have been done in five or seven and still been charming. And, and, and I and I agree with that. And I think and I think it makes more sense knowing that they bring her back in the final episode of the season. But it doesn't justify again. Yeah, it doesn't justify spending that much time. 
I I I bet at some point there is going to be time spent with him and the uh the rebel chick mm-hmm. that's cut out of the show. Mm-hmm. But because she's no longer his like close ally, rebel chick, you mean Bo-Katan? No, the chick, the 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 lady. Oh, who, Ranger of the New Republic girl. Yeah, that's who got canceled yeah. like in real life. I feel like she was his more. He she played more of the close closest ally to um, Mando prior mm-hmm. to her being canceled in real life. Yeah, that I feel like she may have played a role here more and he Mm -hmm. may have gone and talked with her and she would have like helped him explore his feelings about Grogu, but that character has been removed and no other character really serves that role anymore as like, it's not like they're like best friends or anything, but they're kind of best friends. That's kind of the closest ally that, uh, Din Djarin has. You know, honestly, you saying that really does make me think that it's very possible that she was the person that he interacted with and that they replaced all the scenes with Peli. I mean, not like, to say that's for sure, but like, I think that could be more logical that, that he would consult with her and bring her to this, you know, potential battle and stuff than Peli. Yeah. You know, which, cause they, cause they didn't, they don't need to spend time getting him a badass star, you know, starfighter. Like he could have just gotten any starfighter. Oh, you know, it's nice that it's, oh, it's a Naboo starfighter and we can nostalgia over it. And oh my God, you know, but like, it, it, it was weird that they spent so much time on it. Yeah, it, it was un- like I didn't I didn't understand like legit when he got there and she said had the thing and I need to work on it. I'm like, cool. She's going to work on it. He's going to go help um, uh, Boba out. And this is just going to be done in the background and be ready for him when he gets back. But no, then we watch him help build it for some reason. Oh, I think you had mentioned something to me where I was like, there's even less reason for this. And, but you said, you said, wait for the finale. See if it's important. Maybe he uses it. Oh, no. you didn't use it. Oh, it's yeah. not. It was actually completely purposeless to see all of that building. it. No, yeah. Or even incorporate the, the starship at all. Like that, her mentioning, hey, I'll have this ready for you later is one thing just to say this is how I get to ship later. But yeah, all of that is just. We're just spending a, a half of Boba Fett watching her do stuff. Does it does it pay off when we get to see little Grogu on my ass to have the ship go zoom zoom at the very end, which is the closing thing of the series, of course, mm-hmm. is the Mandalorian. That's how the book of Boba Fett ends by, yep. by showing the Mandalorian. Um, is that a fun payoff? Yeah, but it it, it was weird. Yeah, it's whatever. Uh, so do you have any other thoughts? Um, you know, I think I've got, I got through my little list of things in the finale. Um, I'm trying to think there's an episode we haven't talked about, right? Episode. We, we, we danced around aspects of the episode where we get Luke and Luke and, uh, Grogu doing the force training. The effect is really, really cool. They, they've largely improved the effect. I've heard that they actually hired a, like someone who like basically saw the effect in the, in the original episode where Luke came in and he was like, I can do this better. And they're like, yeah, you did do that better. Come and work with us. And it looks great. It looks great. But I, I want to comment like a, a, maybe another little nitpick. His here voice is, that, is off. It, I'm not even too worried about the voice. I have, I may, I totally accept that they, you know, hey, Luke, even if they have this great technology, I don't I don't expect him to be perfect, right? Because they could have just recast him, right? Yeah. They're using this awesome technology to give us his face. And I, I, I think that's really awesome. And I'll accept a slightly off voice. What I think they do way too much in the, when Luke is there is just show him, like, awkwardly, like, doing 
like moving and doing nothing and stuff. Yeah. It, and, and it's kind of weird. Like it's hard to tell if it's a weirdly written thing or if that's kind of makes sense for Luke trying to be the Jedi master that he has seen before him. Cause he's, cause you get the feeling that maybe he's trying to be like Yoda and trying to be like Obi-Wan where they're just kind of like stoic and, but he's not a master. He's like, he he's a well-trained Jedi at this point. He be, um, uh, I think he's considered a master. Like he, even Ahsoka Khan calls him master Skywalker. He's considered a master, but there was no one ever to give him that title. And he can give himself that title. Yeah, he I guess he can. But <laughs> uh, Ahsoka Tano, who was in the actual Jedi Council, gave him that title. Look, we know canonically. No, she's Jedi, left, not, she's not a Jedi, not not Jedi Council, but who was a part of the actual Jedi Temple in Coruscant when there were ranks can calls him a master. Yeah, but she's not a Jedi. But whatever. She I'm a the. But we know that we know that Luke failed as a teacher and one of his pupils turned to the dark side. So we kind of like and I feel like that's one of the criticisms people have of The Last Jedi is that they don't like how they turned Luke into this uh, sad, mm-hmm. what have you kind of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but leaving Return of the Jedi, Luke has done great things and he's had great Jedi acts, but there's. He, he was never really given his full Jedi training, and that was kind of made a point that he did not complete his training. And apparently around this time, he's supposed to be t- teaching Leia, too, according to The Rise of Skywalker. But Luke isn't like... Luke doesn't necessarily really know what he's doing. He's still pretty young at this point. He... And and that's the sort of excuse that I would give to why he's just kind of being weirdly stoic and he's like doing the frog thing and he puts uh, Grogu on his back to carry around the forest like he did with Yoda, which doesn't make sense because in that setting, he was the the pupil carrying his master. And in this setting, he's the master carrying his pupil. So it, it doesn't really make sense as a one-to-one parallel, but I feel like Luke is trying to be like Yoda and he's just not very good at it because he's not Yoda. Yeah. Which I think, which I think in some ways might even be, you know, commenting which, people saying like, Oh, he fails as a teacher later. I'm like, maybe that's kind of part of it is that he tried to be like his masters and uh, failed to pass on the right lessons, even though the lessons he learned uh, or like that he exhibited, right. were not necessarily things he got from Yoda and, and Obi-Wan, like things that he, he, he thought his father could be redeemed. Right. They both were like, no, he's unredeemable. He was like, I sense the light in him. And so he made a decision uh, counter to what they sort of counseled and and was right for it. And and pers- based in like, you know, Luke's understanding of the force, I think, in some ways was more developed than Obi-Wan's and Yoda's. But but I think when he tried to be a teacher, he just tried to replicate them. And that was maybe his failing. almost. Yeah. And that later he was like, I'm not going to do anything like like that anymore because I failed. Like teaching Ray is going to be a totally different thing uh, when he does decide to train her. Like the, the lessons of the, you know, the Jedi are dead. Like and and when he's teaching Ray, he's teaching Ray as Luke instead of trying to teach as one of his trainers. And that's why like lessons kind of get through to Ray better. Like mm-hmm. they, they he's not training her for very long, but things like things that he tells to Ray, I think sink through to her in a way that carry her through and allow her to uh, resist the temptation that Kylo 
presents to her in that movie. Uh, Last Jedi, I think, is quite underrated in that. I, I think plenty of people like The Last Jedi, but I think there's more nuance to it. But uh, getting back to this, when I was watching the Luke and Grogu stuff, I thought it was weird. At points, I thought it was boring. And But like trying to look at it from the perspective of, man, Luke is kind of a weird teacher. And it's like, yeah, because he had two weird teachers and that's kind of all he has to go on. He was never part of the Jedi temple or in council. He doesn't really know what being a Jedi master entails. He's just being told things. Maybe Ahsoka is telling him things. Technically, but... technically, we know for a fact that he recovers the ancient Jedi texts. So yeah. we know that he has. But the when original does he Jedi have them right now? Uh, yeah, or, that's, that's or, uncertain. Or were those texts on the hidden Jedi planet that he flees to? And mm-hmm. so he never had them when he was doing his trainings. Uh, is it, I don't does know. Does he say that that's the site of like the ancient Jedi temple there or whatever? Well, that it's, it's like the like that's what it was, right? That's what I thought I th- it was. I think maybe. Yeah, like that might I but I think he kind of ref- I could be totally wrong. Somebody somebody that actually knows better, maybe, you know, mention it in the comments and correct us here. But yeah, so that's the Luke of it all. Ahsoka shows up teasing out that she's going to get a show eventually. I'll watch it. Oh, I'll hella watch it. Yeah. I'll watch the shit out of it. Yeah. We we want it. Give it to Yo, us. Yo, we just got a, I don't totally aside, speaking of shows and stuff, uh, Obi-Wan confirmed in May. Good. About time. Let's let's get let's get uh Mr. Ewan McGregor in our eyeballs again. Let's go need it. He is he is the age. He is now the age uh proportionate to uh Alec Guinness that Alec Guinness was in uh the original Star Wars, I believe, like the amount of time passage from who he, from when he played Obi-Wan to now is roughly the same time difference of in the Star Wars universe of when Obi-Wan ended Revenge of the Sith to when he meets Luke. How long has it been? Like, what, 20 years or something? Yeah, it's been 20 years. Is it 20 years? In, in um, Well, like uh, so since since uh, Revenge of the Sith, I think it's actually been more like 16 years. OK. So 16 ish years since Obi Wan, since Ewan McGregor last played Obi Wan, mm-hmm. we are now seeing him play Obi Wan again. So mm-hmm. he sh- should be almost the age of Alec Guinness, ba- mm-hmm. basically, maybe like another five years because he has to be the. It, it's the amount of time since Luke becomes like 20 in A New Hope. Man, you know, it'd be really awesome is seeing, um, even though it's been already represented, uh, uh, in animation, seeing uh, the live action Obi Wan versus Darth Maul fight again. I yeah we yeah we yeah yeah that'd be cool. I mean, not necessary because it has already been depicted. It'd be cool for a person that would never watch Rebels and Clone Wars to get to see it in the live action sense. Is there some presumption that Darth Maul might show up in this? Uh, not necessarily because well, because no, well, it's confirmed in Rebels he showed that up. he never he never found Obi Wan before until in Rebels. Yeah. Unless Obi-Wan goes out and finds him and they interact. And, yeah. And no, it's never referenced but then again. That, that, yeah, that wouldn't make sense, though. Yeah. So. But hey, Obi-Wan's got all sorts of other people he can find along the way. Mm-hmm. Probably Captain Rex. Let's be honest. That's we're going to see him played by a de-aged uh, Tamara Morrison. D, uh, he doesn't need to be de-aged, though, because oh, Rex is old. Yeah, the, that's true. At the time of Rebels, when Alec Guinness uh, or the, the representation in Rebels of uh obi-wan is also old so yeah. he doesn't need to be the age in fact he needs to be up age <laughs> yeah, boba fett is younger than rex yeah so 
I, but yeah, so yeah, we're excited for Obi Wan, excited for Ahsoka, excited for everything Star Wars they give us. It Boba hopefully Boba Fett happy it existed, but I expect disappointed better. by the execution. Yeah, I expect better. Yeah, even even the uh, the positive reviewers that I've referenced before, their final scores of the season were a three out of five and three point five out of five. And they were just like, yeah, we enjoyed it. Yeah. And they, they like say all these things that they enjoy about it. But then like, well, this doesn't make sense. And that that's weird. And uh, yeah, all the nitpicking enough to like drive it down. Mm-hmm. But there's still cool Star Wars stuff here. Yeah, it's cool Star Wars stuff. But like, this is not a good story. And that's really it it's was like, not a very well done story. Here's the thing. Like if the MCU put out something with this many uh, narrative flaws in it, people would like tear the shit out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think people are a lot kinder to Star Wars. They're kinder to Star Wars. And they're also used to at this point, they're used to getting beat up basically by having their multiple iterations that are like, you know, ma- major motion pictures that people consider not very good. So they're just used to like, eh, Star Wars just sucks sometimes a little bit, but you know, it's always cool. Ugh. Yeah, sometimes Star Wars does suck. Yeah. But Boba but Fett. But it's always cool. Boba Fett's like on the higher end of the suck half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh yeah, I mean, I really hope that Mandalorian ends up being really good and uh, you know, still look forward to more Star Wars stuff in the future. I do too. So yeah. Uh hey, before we go. You guys should subscribe if you made it this long. Yeah, to we have a we're, we we're, post videos on YouTube. We're on Spotify. Yeah, we're bad at uh, advertising that. Apple Podcasts. We sh- we should be smarter, and so maybe in the future we'll start saying that more. But uh, but yeah, help us out. Uh, subscribe, like, uh, share, Comments, or whatever. Do email the, do us. The things, all the stuff. Let me know how we're doing. How we can improve. Yeah, Ryan reads it. I don't. So I kind of read it. I mean, because because we don't get a lot of responses. So there's not like I, I I have not had the need to be attentive to it because we and, and I mean, like, hey, like as long as you're listening, I'm happy. But if you have comments or critiques or what have you, we'd love to hear it. Most certainly. But uh, yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, until next time, this has been Robert and Ryan. Adios. Like a panther.